morning. If you have your Bibles, please open them to Hebrews chapter 3. God's Word's really incredible to me, its intricacy, the things that it tells us, the precepts that it teaches us. Um, Some areas of the Bible, to me, seem just pregnant with the gold of God's deity and word and message. And so Hebrews is one of those books. Hebrews chapter 3 is one of those chapters. And we see Christ's preeminence to everyone. It begins with, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. If we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm, Until the end. Be overcomers, church believers. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you that we can gather here today in belief. And that I pray over Jackie, Lord, as he begins to tear apart, to dig down, to show us some of the application and the gold of the scripture. Lord, that you would just touch him and give him your wisdom and your word that he be your mouthpiece. May we be blessed with your wisdom and knowledge, Lord, and be drawn closer in relationship to you. In our precious Yeshua HaMashiach's name, amen. Wow, God's good, isn't he? All right, so I know everybody's asking what happened to all the hair on your face. (laughs) Where'd it go? So, my lovely wife came to me yesterday and she uh, did what none of you could do. She kissed me tenderly and whispered in my ear, please shave your beard. I don't make any guarantees for how long it'll last, but today's a good day so far. So, <laughs> so anyhow, 
Let's get to the important part, the Word of God. As we come to, to Hebrews chapter 3, there's, a, there's this incredible thing that, that takes place. All the way through Hebrews, we're going to be looking at the superiority of Christ. Jesus Christ is superior to everything, to all things. And when we come to, to chapter 3, he's going to be developing that idea even further, uh, that Jesus is superior to Moses. But there's so much more to it. You see, when we come... This morning, when we get up in the morning every day, we need a word from God and a way to God. We need a word from God and a way to God. And all of that is who Jesus Christ is. And when we consider who He is and, and what it is that He has provided us, literally He is everything that we need. He is the Word, in fact, God's final Word, and He is the way, God's only way. He is everything we need. And as we come to the book of Hebrews, that's really the point the book of Hebrews is laying out for us, that Jesus is what we need. And it really, the reality is we'll spend our lives, every one of us, at different times in our lives, living for something else or looking for something else, some kind of satisfaction some other area something that we think this is going to make me happy the whole world does it but what the whole world needs is a word from god and a way to god what the whole world needs jesus christ provides and that's what the writer of hebrews is laying out for us and in light of that concept when we look at hebrews 3 verse 1 it says therefore first word Therefore, now this is a different therefore than other therefores in the Bible. What do I mean? What's a different Greek word? This, this particular Greek word used for this therefore is the word hothen. It indicates there's a conclusion that's being drawn from what came before. There's a conclusion being drawn from what came before. So we want to back up and think what came before. What came before? Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 and 18. Just a couple verses earlier. It says, therefore, in all things, how many things? Okay, therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. Who are we speaking about? Jesus, right? The whole book is about what? The superiority of Christ. That he is the final word and the only way. And that's what he's laying out for us. He had to be made like his brethren. He had to come in the flesh that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to To God. He came to do what? To give us the word and to show us the way. He became flesh so that he could be merciful and faithful. A high priest in things pertaining to God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. To become our sin sacrifice. To to be the mercy seat. Remember we talked about that. The Ark of the Covenant is a box in Old Testament that held all the failures of men. And the thing that kept God's judgment from being poured out upon mankind was the top of the box, which was called the propitiation, the hilasterion, the mercy seat. That's a place where the blood was applied. And the Bible declares that Jesus Christ is our mercy seat. He is our hilasterion. He is our propitiation. He saves us from the wrath of God. That would be poured out 
on a, on a Christ-rejecting sinful world. So he became a propitiation for the sins of the people in verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are being tempted. Therefore, chapter 3, to conclude, holy brethren, who's he speaking to? The brethren, right? Holy brethren, that's not unbelievers, that's who? Believers, right? That's believers. Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Look, those who have responded to the call of salvation by Jesus Christ. Those who have responded. Matthew chapter 22 is a perfect place to look as Jesus tells a parable that I think is a... Like an overshadowing of God's plan of salvation. Remember there was a man having a wedding feast? And he invited all of his friends to come, but they all began to make excuses, right? They couldn't go. They didn't want to come. He continued to send his servants. They took his servants and killed them. So the scripture says in the parable, he wiped them out and he told his servants, Now go everywhere. Highways, byways. Go to those who are good. Go to those who are bad. Go to all the world. And invite them to the wedding feast. Tell them to come. Those who respond to his invitation. The Bible declares in the book of Romans. All day long God holds out his his hands. To a disobedient and contrary people. All day long the call goes forth. And when we respond to that call. As the, the last song Izzy shared with us, when we recognize our brokenness, when we fall down broken before a holy God, you know the Word of God tells us that Christ is the cornerstone, and two things are going to happen with that cornerstone. Either, one, you will fall on it and be broken, or two, it will fall on you and you'll be destroyed. Only two things, only two possibilities, only two ways. So we have this incredible salvation, this gift, this call that has gone out. So he says, you who are my holy brethren, who have responded to the call, who have responded to the call of God as God lifts up and holds out his hands that you may come, that you would come to him. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 14, it lays out for us this idea that though, not that we have already attained, Or I'm already perfected. But verse 14 says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press for the goal, the prize, the upward call. The upward call. In Ephesians 4.1 it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, walk worthy of the calling. You've been invited. You've responded to the call. You've fallen down broken before the cornerstone. You've fallen down broken before God. And and now he says, now, walk like it. Have you been changed by Jesus Christ? Do you know who Jesus Christ is? Do you want Jesus Christ in your life? Then he calls. It's not that you earn it. He's just saying, be real. Be who you say you are. If you say, yes, I'm a follower. Yes, I'm one who is come before and I'm walking with Jesus Christ then allow that to be who you are Romans 1 6 it says this among whom also you are the called of Jesus Christ 
And he goes on in 1 Corinthians 1.9 to, to kind of describe it for us and, and, and lay it down. It says, God is faithful by whom you were called to what? Into fellowship with his son. The fellowship of his son. We need what from God? A word and a way. Jesus Christ is both the word and the way. He's the way. He brings us into that place so that we can have the fellowship of His Son. In Ephesians chapter 1, remember the first 14 verses tell us all of these incredible things that we have in fellowship with Jesus Christ. What we have in Christ. We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. We're the elect. We're the called. All of these things that Ephesians 1 lays out. How did we achieve all that? How did we arrive at that place? Verse 13 and 14 tell us. When you believed, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you responded to the call, when he said, come to the wedding feast, and you realized, I'm going to come, but when you get to the door, you don't have nothing to wear, right? I, I don't got nothing to wear. You're looking, I got one suit. <laughs> all right, I might have four suits. But you can't tell, because they all have the same suit. But that's just because I am who I am. And I have those suits, and what's going to happen is I'm going to get hot sauce on them. I'm going to get grease from, uh, from fried chicken. <laughs> I'm, yeah, you never know what's going to get on. So I always got to, I don't, we don't have the right thing to wear. What's the right thing to wear when we come to Jesus Christ? We got to put on what? We got to put on His righteousness. He's provided for us the wedding garment, right? So we put it on. We put it on. How did we do that? We just receive what He's giving us. He's standing at the door saying, Here! Put it on! Okay? We put it on. We walk in. We come in. We're in Christ. In fellowship with Him. We are the called with a heavenly calling. And then look what He says. Consider. Consider. That word consider means think deeply about. And that's what we've been doing in chapter 1 and chapter 2. That's what we're going to do in chapter 3, chapter 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. As we continue going, what's it all about? Thinking deeply, deeply about who Jesus Christ is. Deeply about what He's done, what He's accomplished for us. So He says, consider, think deeply about this. He's our Apostle. The Apostle and the High Priest. The apostle and the high priest. What are these things laying out for us? We want to we wanna hold fast. We want to understand the final word from God. We want to understand the only way to God. So, how do we look at that? We want to consider first this. We want to consider his mission. His mission. The word he is, consider the apostle. That means to be sent, right? The guy who's sent. So that's what he's being. He's being sent. He's being sent out. He's being sent to us. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus is standing in a synagogue in his hometown. And the synagogue in his hometown, he reads the scripture. He was visiting. And when they were visiting, the church would say, the synagogue would say, well, why don't you read the reading for today? So Jesus comes up and reads the reading. This is what we see in Luke 4, 18. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those 
who are oppressed. He has sent me. Jesus closed up the book and said, Today these words are fulfilled in your hearing. What was he declaring? I'm the Messiah. God sent me. The Apostle. We work our way through the, the uh, New Testament. We work our way through the Gospels. I'm just going to look at one. In the Gospel of John, 18 times, Jesus says, God the Father sent me. What is that? That's what it is to be the Apostle. He is sent. He was sent to us. In John chapter 20, verse 21, it says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father sent me, What's the next part? I send you. Think deeply. Consider the apostle and the high priest, Jesus Christ. Consider the beauty of who he is. Consider the fact that he's the apostle sent from God. And recognize that when he left, what did he give us? The same thing, didn't he? As the Father sent me, I send you. Go, therefore. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that I have taught you. And know this, to wherever you go, I'm with you. Consider this. Consider His divine mission. We see it in His submission to the Father. The Father sent Him he goes. We also should be responding. But it's not only seen, his mission is not only seen in his submission to the Father that he willingly comes. What else is it seen in? His salvation. The salvation that he brings. What was the purpose of the high priest? The apostle and the high priest. What did the high priest do? He, he stood in the gap between God and who? The people. He stood in the gap between God and people, and he would present the sacrifice. Now, a human high priest would have to do it over and over and over and over. But Jesus did it once. For all. Finished. Done. Completed. So not only do we see his mission in his submission to the Father, Lord, I'll, I'll go for you. And in that, we see God's final word to us. But we also see it in the reality of the salvation that he brings. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what? That which is lost. He said, I've come as a physician to who? The sick. Because I can't help you if you're not sick. God can't save you if you're not broken. Just chew on that for a minute. God can't save you if you're not broken. It's good news. Why is that good news? Because we're a mess, man. We are not a mess. Just spend a little time looking in the mirror and thinking about the thoughts you think, the things you do. The stuff happening in your life, where our focus goes, where, how we drift, how we, what God said, I've come to, to save those who are lost. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to put the pieces of life back together. Because our life finds purpose and meaning when Christ is central. When Jesus is in the midst, when He's right where we need Him to be. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says, In this... The love of God has been manifested toward us. That God has sent His only begotten Son 
into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son, there's that phrase again, to be the propitiation, the mercy seat. The thing that saves us from the wrath of God. That which holds back the wrath of God for us. In fact, in 1 John 4.14, it says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. The mission of this Jesus whom we're to consider. The final word and the only way we see in the salvation He wrought. If you got time in your study this week, I encourage you to read Isaiah 45. Uh, you can pick it up from about verse 21 and 22. And it's going to tell you that Yahweh is the only Savior. The Yahweh is the only way. That Yahweh is the only God. And then the Word of God declares to us that that is fulfilled for us in the Son. That He is the DNA of God. The image of the invisible God. We see the ful- fulfillment in, in this. In His divine mission, He lays those concepts out. Submission to the Father. What does that mean? It means that my life is not about me. My life is about who? God. Furthering His purpose and plan. Furthering His purpose and plan. Look, I spent a lot of time living for myself. And at the end of all that, I had a bunch of burnout garbage. That's not been the end of your road? You live for yourself and everything's just been coming together hunky-dory? Man, it, 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 it was a mess. So what I learned, I learned to bow the knee to the Father. Hey, I'm here for you. I'm here to fulfill your purpose. I want to fulfill your will. I'm not going to live for the little red dot on the rope anymore. You remember the rope? Strung out across the church. That's your life in eternity. And one little dot, one little red dot, that's this life here. And we put all the emphasis on that little red dot and we forget about all the rest of the rope. Everything isn't about that red dot. Everything is about our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to bow the knee before the Lord and we want to recognize the salvation that He brings. We also want to consider His divine ministry. He is the high priest... Of our confession. Right? That's what verse 1 said. High priest of our confession. Our confession. The word is homo legeo. The idea that when, when Romans tells us, Romans 9, uh, or 10, 9 and 10, tells us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. Right? Everybody remember? We don't get to take that one out of the book. It's if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay? Pretty simple, right? If you confess with your mouth the Lord, that means homo legeo. You say, you agree with what he says. You agree, that's what that word means, confess. To agree with what he said. To confess. To agree with what Jesus said. That's what it's talking about. Matthew 10, 32. Remember the words that Jesus laid out for us. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will... Confess before my 
Father, right? Okay, so whoever confesses, says the same thing I said about me before men, then I'll confess him before my Father. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny him before my Father. What's that verse tell us? Simple. This is what it tells us. The opposite of confession is denial. The opposite of confession, saying what he said about himself, the opposite of that is to deny what he said about himself. To deny the things that Jesus said. What did he say? He said he was Messiah. The Bible says it like this. Do you believe Jesus is the Christ? What does that phrase mean? Do you believe Jesus is the Messiah? He said he was the Messiah. He said he was the Son of God. He said that he had within himself the DNA of Yahweh. And he said, we realize he really came. It's not a figment of our imagination. He was here. He is Messiah. He's the Son of God. 1 John 2, 22 and 23 says this. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He who denies that Jesus is Messiah. 1 John 4, 2 says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, has come in the flesh, has really been here, not, his, not some spirit, not some spirit thing, the reality and truth, he was here in the flesh, is of God. And every spirit that does not, or every spirit that denies that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is a spirit of Antichrist in uh, uh, um, disagreement with what Jesus Christ said about himself. First John 4.15 Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Confess. He is the high priest of our confession. This is his ministry. It says, He ever lives to make intercession for us. What's Jesus doing right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. What's his purpose? To make intercession for us. He is functioning in heaven as our high priest. Is our high priest doing what? Interceding for us. He's praying for you. That's not good news? Yeah? I, I, I kind of like every once in a while think about, man, Jesus is praying for me. Man, that, that is incredible. Incredible when we consider, think deeply about what it is that we see in Christ. Not only in His mission, but also in His ministry. To stand in the gap for you and me. That he's there just like he was for Peter walking on the water. And when we cry out, oh Lord, save me. He's right there. He's right there. But not only are we going to consider his mission and his ministry, we also got to remember he's Messiah. He's Messiah. It's what the word declares. The, consider the, the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Messiah Jesus. That's what that means. Christ is not his middle name or last name or some name in between. It's a title. He's Messiah. 
He's Messiah. Consider, think deeply about that reality that He is Messiah, the Anointed One from the Father to pave the way, to be the final word from God to us and the only way to God for us. Consider, think deeply about Jesus Christ. In John chapter 20, verse 30, it says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written. For what purpose? That you might believe Jesus is the Christ, Messiah. That you might believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And believing, you may have life in His name. For there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. What name saves? The name Jesus. Jesus saves. So we see His mission. We see His ministry. And we see that He is Messiah. All that in verse 1. And you thought, uh, He's never going to make it six verses. Yeah, He will. Yeah, have a little faith. Oh, that's next. Hebrews 3.2. Hebrews 3.2. So we're considering thinking deeply about Jesus, right? And His mission, and His ministry, and He's the Messiah. But what else? What else do we see? We want to see His motive. Who was faithful to Him who appointed Him, just as Moses was also faithful in all His house. Consider His motive. What was His motive? He's faithful. He's faithful. He's fa- That's not good news? Numbers chapter 12, verse 7. Speaking of Moses, says, Not so, my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. So he's talking in Numbers chapter 12 about, you know, sometimes the prophets, I give them visions, I send them dreams, but that's not how I did it with Moses. Moses is faithful. I talk to him face to face. God's final word for the people is his son. His son gives that final word to us. What was the motive? Why? Why for, for Jesus? Why does he come? Why did he die for us? Why does he love us? Because he is faithful. That means trustworthy. In the Marine Corps, we have a, a saying, Semper Fidelis. What's it mean? Always faithful. There's not a Marine on earth. That fulfills that. It's a goal. And a great goal. There's only one person who's always faithful. And that's Lord Jesus Christ. He is always faithful. Hebrews 2.17 Therefore in all things he was made like his brethren. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. He's faithful to you and I. He is here to show that trustworthiness. Is there somebody God's not able to save? Is there somebody for whom Christ cannot, the application of the blood of Jesus Christ, cannot make him white as snow? Oh, he's trustworthy. If he said he can do it, then it's done. He is faithful. He is faithful. But there's more than that. Look at verse 3. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. 
Who are we talking about? Jesus, right? What's the whole book about? The superiority of Christ. The excellency of Jesus Christ. He's, he's more glorious than Moses. Why? Inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Who built everything? Who created it all? God. Who created everything? Everything in the world was created by Yahweh. Yahweh created it all. He is God of gods, Lord of lords. So what do we call to consider in verse 3 and 4? Consider His majesty. He has greater, more glory than Moses does. And He gives a comparison. What's the comparison? They're both sent. Right? Moses was sent. Jesus was sent. They both delivered the people of God. One from bondage, the other from sin. We see that they both were faithful. Faithful men. But then we have a contrast. What's a contrast? A comparison is what's similar. The contrast is what's different. What's different is he has more glory. Why? Because he is the creator. He created it all. He's Yahweh. Creator God. The only one. Creator God. What does the Bible say about Jesus Christ? John 1. 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word. That means when time began, the Word already was. When time began, the the Word already was. And the Word was with God. That means face to face. The Word was face to face with God. They could look at each other. Face to face, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. When time began, He was in the beginning with God. And all things, how many things? Oh, does that say all other things? No, that just says all things, don't it? All things were made through Him, and without Him, what was made? Nothing. He made it all. He made it all. Who made it all? The Word. Who's the Word? Jesus is God the Word. The only begotten Son of God. I don't know if Jesus is really the Word. Well, Revelation 19 says, He's got that written on Him. The Word of God. God's Word. We're all in need of what? A Word from God and a way to God. Jesus Christ is that. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Just in case John 1 is not good for you. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God. No man can see the Father. Why? He's invisible. The Bible tells the only one who can see God, sees God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is, that in Yahweh which we see. He's the firstborn. The next phrase, over all. Firstborn. He's the prototokos, the preeminent, the most Important, the highest in rank and order over all creation. Over, not in all creation. What's it say? Over all creation. He is over all creation. Why? For by him, how many things? Oh, does it say all other? What's it say? For by him, how many things? All things were created. Where? That are in heaven. That are on earth. Visible. 
invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or power. All things were created through him and for him. How many things did he create? All things. See the creator of everything? That's what it says. Everything in, only everything on earth? No, what did it say? All things where? In heaven and on the earth. All things you can see, all things you can't see. All thrones, dominions, powers, authorities. He made it all. He is creator God. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, God, who at various times in various ways, in time past, spoke to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son. God's final word. Whom He has appointed the heir of all things, and through whom also He made the worlds. Eons. Eons. He made all time. He made all time. Through whom He made the world, being the brightness of the glory and the expressed image of His person, the exact DNA, upholding all things by the word of His power. When He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down the right high, right hand of majesty on high. Why does Jesus have more glory than Moses? He's a creator. He made Moses. He made Moses. Jesus is Moses' builder. Jesus, the Son of God, is God. That's how great He is. Think deeply. Consider this. Consider Jesus, consider all that He has accomplished in, for, and by. In verse 5 it says, And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house, as a servant for a testimony of those things that would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of, his, of this hope firm to the end. So consider his message. Think deeply about the message. What's, what's this message? It's a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. The word of God. This which we have that we hold fast. It holds fast as our ultimate reality. Our ultimate foundation. All the time I hear people say, but you... You know, Jackie, we talk about it, and we talk about the Word, but if you use the Word to prove the Word, that's circular. Yes, it's circular. Every argument, when it comes down to the ultimate foundation, is circular. Every argument. The, the, the key is, what is your ultimate reality? Your own reason? Then your own reason... I believe it because I see it, I think it, I know it. My reason is my ultimate reality and it becomes circular. I say I believe it because God wrote it in this book, the Word of God. And it is absolutely authoritative. I believe it because God said it. You believe it because you can reason it out. Your ultimate reality is your own reason. My ultimate reality is the Word of God. Holding fast to the truth, what God has said, what God's word declares for us. What's the example of Moses? Moses was what? This scripture says he was a servant 
in His house. What are you and I? Servants in the house. We're servants in the house. But what's the exaltation of Jesus? Jesus is not a servant. He's a what? Son. He's a son. Son. You know that the Bible never, ever calls Jesus a little born one. But that's what we think of when we read the word son. We read the word son and we think little born one. Like a little child. Like, like that's, that's what we put into the word. What is the word actually? It's the word heir. It's for a child who is receiving his, his uh, inheritance from the father. In fact, in the Roman world, it didn't even have to be your real son. It just had to be the one that you were giving your inheritance to. Your inheritance, Jesus Christ, He's the heir. He's the one for whom and by whom it all exists. It's all His, about Him, for Him, through Him. The exaltation of, of Jesus speaks to Him as a son. So, so how does that affect us? Look what the Word says. It affects us. How? Whose house we are. Whose house we are. Remember what we started in the beginning? The call has gone out. The invitations have been sent. Highways, byways. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. What did Jesus say? I will give you rest. Come to me. Come. The invitation. We, we respond to that invitation and the scripture says, You are His house. You are His people. You are His family. His family. Heirs and joint heirs together with Christ. We are His house. His people. What's the evidence of that? That next phrase. Whose house we are if we hold fast. If we hold fast. Hold fast means don't let go. Hold fast is what a hungry man does to a turkey leg. <laughs> if you ain't hungry, oh, you, you dabble. That's how my wife eats. You know, she'd take a little piece here, a little piece there. That's why I'm fat, because I eat what's on her plate, too. <laughs> you put that turkey leg in my hand, I'm not setting it down. No. I'm holding fast. Until what? Till it's gone. I'm holding on. You want to learn how to hold fast? Just come here for lunch every day. I dare you. Come here for lunch. Eat around me and Jason. Go ahead. Have that big old Juanita's burrito. Take a bite out of it even. Set it down there on the, on the desk between us and say, I'll be right back. <laughs> right on. You go. One time, Levi got this, my favorite burrito over there at, at Juanita's. Is, I call it the Yabba Dabba Doo. Uh, how do I say it? Autobada burrito. Like, there's a special way they put it together for me. He's got one on his desk. Sat, I looked at it all day, sitting on his desk, all wrapped up, sat on his desk. He left. It's like 8 o'clock at night. He's not even here. I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. Maybe he's coming back tonight. So I went home. 
I got there in the morning and that burrito was still there. That's it. It was unwrapped. I held fast until it was gone. When the Word of God calls us to hold fast, that's what it's talking about. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm playing with it, I'm messing with it, I'm a... No, you're laying hold. If you hold fast. There's no try Jesus for 30 days malarkey. There's no, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I just want to see how it all pans out. Yeah, that ain't holding fast. You got to hold fast, lay hold, put your grip on and don't let go. That's what he's talking about, to hold fast, to not let go. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2 says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep, hold fast the traditions that I delivered to you. Hold fast the doctrine, hold fast the teachings, hold fast what I showed you. Hold fast, lay hold of. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast. There ain't no, it's either all in or all out. How's that work? It's, it's what? All in or out. No, I, I, I'm dipping my left foot in to see how the water is. Just jump in. It's all in. Hold fast the word that I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Hold fast to him. Now, just in, in case you think, well, I don't know that the, that the word says that all the way through. We've been going through the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. Working our way through the seven letters to the seven churches. We've got two churches left. Uh before we finish up uh, chapter 2 and 3. And as we <clears throat> look at it, I want you to see how many times this phrase comes up to the seven letters in the seven churches. Revelation 2.1 To the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. What is it that Jesus is it? What did Jesus promise? What did he say? If you're in his hand, what's he going to do? I just hold you loose. I'm just barely holding on. No, what's it say? I'm going to hold fast. What's he holding? He's holding the stars. In the midst of the, of the church, he's holding things together. Revelation 2.13 I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name. You hold fast to Jesus? Do you hold fast to Him? That's God's final word and only way. Holding fast to Him. You hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even when they were killing you. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful martyr who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. You held fast even when they took it all away. Are you holding fast? Revelation 2.25 but hold fast what you have until I come. Hold fast. Lay hold of. Hold with all your worth. When you grab the hand of Jesus, you hold on for all your worth. The good news is, it doesn't depend on your strength. Because what else is happening at the same time? He's holding on to you. 
He's holding on to you. Revelation 3.3 Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Hang on. Hold on. Cling to Jesus Christ. Hold fast. Revelation 3.11 Behold I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one take your crown. Hold fast. The problem with the church in the world today is there's a whole lot of people who can give lip service, who can say the right words, but they, they, they're not holding fast. They're not in. They're not in. They're, they're, they're just, they know all the words. There's nothing more dangerous. I, I got a, a guy I know who is in jail who knows all the scripture, knows the word of God, knows all the truth, but that will not hold fast. And we've been around the merry-go-round, around the merry-go-round, around the merry-go-round. There's nothing scarier than a guy who can hear the word of God and it doesn't drive him to repentance and hold him fast. Hold fast. Man, lay hold of all that Jesus has for you. All of it. When Peter got out the boat, how much of them was still in the boat? Would he get out and hang on to the boat and his feet down on the water? Is that what the Bible says? No, because if that happened and he sank, he'd be holding on to the boat. How did Peter get in the water? All in. What about the other disciples? I'm not bagging on them. How much of them was in the boat? You mean they didn't leave some of themselves on the shore? I'm going to put my left leg and my, I'm going to leave my left arm on the shore though just in case this is bogus. They're all the way in the boat. That's what it means. Hold fast. Look, I always pictured it like that young boy who brought his lunch to one of the disciples. You remember when Jesus said, to his disciples, you feed them, feed them people. Lord, they're hungry. We need to send them away. And the Lord looked at him and said, no, you feed them. And they all put their hands in their pockets with, well, I don't have nothing. You got anything? I don't got nothing. And this little kid walks up to him. And he says, here's my lunch. But that lunch is going to feed everybody? Well, it takes a kid to do it. Because a kid don't know that. Does he? He just gives what he's got. And what happened? Jesus fed all the people with it. He fed them all. He fed them all. I come to the Lord with a life just like that. And that little bag is not enough. In my life, there's nothing good. There's nothing great. There's nothing stupendous. There's nothing special. Just a guy who made a bunch of dumb decisions. And, and, And... It's still here. And one day I had to take all that. All that I was. All that I had in that little lunch bag. Maybe some of you guys think you got a great big suitcase. I don't want to burst your bubble. But we all got to give it to Jesus. All I am. All I'm ever going to be. All I was. All I will be. I give it all. You can't just give a piece. Hold fast. All the way in. 
all the way in. All of me for all of him. We have to hold fast. That's the evidence that we're his house. I'm holding on to Jesus. I'm holding on to Jesus. That's the evidence. But we also need endurance. How long do we hold on? Hold fast that confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Oh, that's all. So how long do you have to hold on? To the end. Man, I don't don't know if I can hold on to the end. Well, then I guess it's especially good news that if you got all in, then he's got all of you. If you got all in, he's got all of you. We need endurance. We need endurance. And things enter into our life that cause me to go, oh my gosh, what's my life? My, uh, it helps me recognize my focus got off of Jesus and onto me. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like this turn that my life just took. I don't like this illness that I just found out I have. I don't, I don't like these things that are going on. Well, wait a minute. Let's back up one step. Didn't I give all of me to him? And he's got it all. Your sickness, your health, in richer or poorer, till death. Till death. Be faithful unto death. And he said, I will give you the crown of life. There's nothing else. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Man, we've got to hold on for all we're worth. We've got to hold fast to what? The confidence and the rejoicing. Real quick, what's that confidence? What's that confidence all about? That, that confidence is the, the same word for boldness. Yeah, when we're, when we're holding on to Jesus, this comes out. In Acts 4.31, it says, When they had prayed... The place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. You can insert confidence. Same word. Same word in the Greek. Philippians 1, 20 and 21. According to my earnest expectation and hope, <coughs> in nothing I shall be ashamed, but in all boldness. Same word. In all confidence. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether in sickness or in health. Whether in rich or poor, no matter what, Christ will be magnified in my body. That's what Paul's saying. Christ is going to be magnified in my body, no matter what. Why? Because I gave all of me to him. I'm all in. I'm all there. Whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die, gain. Remember, Jesus destroyed death. What's that mean? Death's a doorway to his presence. Not some big, scary monster. It's just a doorway to the presence of God. Jesus saw to that when he destroyed death. Oh, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? The sting of death was sin, but that's been dealt with in Jesus Christ. Finally, in John 8, 31 and 32, just listen to this. We're holding fast with our our confidence, the boldness, our rejoicing of the hope. We're holding fast to the end. 
So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And what happens? And the truth shall make you free. You will be free. Where's that confidence come? Abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ means I'm holding fast to Him. All of me in all of Him. Consider, think deeply. Think deeply. Now, it's hard because when we, we look at Hebrews, we're, we're chopping it up. But I just want you to see the end result. As we, we're, we're not there yet. It's in chapter 10. But just hear the words. Hear the words. What's the exhortation that He's giving us? Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us, through the veil that is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. What's He calling us to do? Consider Jesus. Think deeply about God's final word and God's only way. We need a word from God and a way to God. So think deeply about Jesus his mission, his ministry, his, that he is the Messiah, his motive, his majesty, he is God, and the message. Think deeply about these things. Consider Jesus. Amen? Why don't you stand with me and let's pray.